Welcome back to TanakhCast. This is episode 138. We'll begin with a brief summary of Amos chapters 4 through 7 and follow with some thoughts about knowing when to hold them and knowing when to fold them. Bring and let's carouse. That's what the real housewives of Samaria Hills tell their husbands after defrauding the poor and robbing the needy at the beginning of Amos chapter 4. But season 2 of this reality TV series is not going to happen because, quote, Behold, days are coming upon you when you will be carried off in baskets, and to the last one, in fish baskets. Amos invites them all to Beit El, to Gilgal, to the sacred sites, to near offer. And I guess it's a sincere invitation, but what's going to happen there? Wrong near offerings, empty gestures, passing for sincerity, it's not clear. But it's definitely not good. And what will follow from this will not be good either. Famine, drought, blight, mildew, locusts, pestilence, war, and yes, mildew. Quote, I have wrought destruction among you, as when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. You have become like a brand plucked from burning, yet you have not turned back to me, declares the Lord. And so in chapter 5, Amos lays it down. Five prophecies. Impending destruction, quote, fallen not to rise again, is made in Israel, abandoned on her soil with none to lift her up. But there is a remedy, quote, seek me and you will live. And by seeking me, he means putting an end to perverting justice, twisting the truth and oppressing the vulnerable, quote, hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. Perhaps the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. But if you don't see God, well, you know what'll happen. Quote, Ah, you who wish for the day of the Lord. Why should you want the day of the Lord? It shall be darkness, not light. And those who wish so badly for the day of the Lord are the ones that are doing it wrong anyway. Quote, I loathe, I spurn your festivals. I am not appeased by your solemn assemblies. If you offer me burnt offerings or your meal offerings, I will not accept them. I will pay no heed to your gifts of fatlings. Spare me the sound of your hymns, and let me not hear the music of your lutes. What is necessary is justice. Quote, let justice well up like water, righteousness like an unfailing stream. Chapter 6 takes us directly into the palatial estates, where the rich and powerful lounge. Where, quote, they lie on ivory beds, lolling on their couches, feasting on lambs from the flock and on calves from the stalls. They hum snatches of song to the tune of the lute. They account themselves musicians like David. They drink straight from the wine bowls and anoint themselves with the choicest oils. But they are not concerned about the ruin of Joseph. Because when the ruin comes, they will be at the front of the line of people being led away to exile. Chapter 7, Amos shares what God has shown him, visions of the future, and they are not good. The first, a plague of locusts that will devour everything. But Amos will pray on behalf of the people, and the prayer will be received. In the second vision, fire. And here too, Amos will beg God to intercede, and God will listen. The third vision is a riddle. Quote, He was standing on a wall, checked with a plumb line, and he was holding a plumb line. And the Lord asked me, What do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. 
And my Lord declared, I'm going to apply a plumb line to my people Israel. I will pardon them no more. The shrines of Isaac shall be laid waste, and the sanctuaries of Israel reduced to ruins. And I will turn upon the house of Yeravam with the sword. So it seems that predicting a devastating plague of locusts and a raging fire didn't really arouse any concern, but talking about the shrines of Isaac and Israel and the house of Yeravam, apparently it does. Amatzia, the high priest in Bethel, sends urgent word to King Yeravam of Israel that, quote, Amos is conspiring against you within the house of Israel. The country cannot endure the things he is saying. Amatzia then turns to Amos and says, quote, Seer, off with you to the land of Judah. Earn your living there and do your prophesying there. Don't ever prophesy again in Bethel, for it is a king's sanctuary and a royal palace. Amatzia doesn't like that Amos is horning in on his business. If anyone's going to turn a quick buck in the religion game, it's him, the officially licensed priest, not some ragamuffin off the street. Amos claps back and says, Do not take me for some conjurer of cheap tricks. I am not trying to rob you. Or something like that. Quote, I'm not a prophet, and I am... Not a prophet's disciple, I am a cattle breeder and a tender of sycamore figs. In other words, I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing this because God sent me, and God has a message for you, Amatia. Quote, your wife shall play the harlot in the town, your sons and daughters shall fall by the sword, and your land shall be divided up with a measuring line, and you yourself shall die on unclean soil, and Israel shall be exiled from its soil. Oh, damn! And on that salty note, here endeth the lesson. Kenny Rogers is probably known for three things outside the world of country music. His number one hits, Lady, and his duet, Islands in the Stream with Dolly Parton. But in my mind, Kenny Rogers is all about the gambler and the gambler's advice. Let's have a listen. In a sense, what the gambler is advising is prudence. Prudence is a virtue. As the gambler said, it's all about knowing when to act and knowing when not to act. So when Amos says in chapter 5, quote, You enemies of the righteous, you takers of bribes, you who subvert in the gate the cause of the needy, assuredly at such a time the prudent man keeps silent, for it is an evil time. Which got me to thinking, is there some kind of connection here between the prudent man keeping silent and it being an evil time? Is it an evil time and thus the prudent man keeps his mouth shut because if he opened his mouth he'd end up in jail or worse? Or is it an evil time because the prudent man keeps his mouth shut? What do you think? I tend to think the latter. I tend to think, like Edmund Burke that, quote, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. So it's not that hard to imagine how, when the enemies of the righteous run rampant and take bribes and kickbacks and grind the faces of the vulnerable with impunity, the fact that these enemies can run rampant and act with impunity is because no one says anything. No one holds them accountable. 
In Man and Superman, George Bernard Shaw wrote, quote, The reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. And what are prophets if not unreasonable men? But it seems, as Amos tells us, it's not enough for there to be only prophets on the scene screaming about injustice. The prudent man must also speak. The prudent man must not keep silent. And I'm sure when that prudent man chooses to speak, he will surely hear folks tell him to stop bringing politics into it. I heard this charge countless times as a classroom teacher. Why are you bringing politics into this? To which I replied, politics is already in this. What you're really saying to me is why are you bringing a different politics into this? Why are you bringing a politics I don't like into this? A politics that's making me feel uncomfortable and unsure about what's been normal and usual here for as long as I've been here. And it really doesn't matter what the issue is. Pick your issue, any issue that you care about and how you feel about it. We don't microwave fish in the shared kitchen at work. Look, man, I'm just here to play video games or read my comic book. <laughs> it sucks, man. And pretend that how you feel about it is reflected back to you. Well, you don't have to pretend about that because it wouldn't feel any different than it already does. It would just feel normal. And depending on who you are, you might feel normal an awful lot as if the status quo has been tailor-made just to suit you. Then imagine someone comes along and expresses something different, something that runs not even counter to your feelings of normalcy and equilibrium and business as usual, but maybe adjacent, or maybe not even counter or adjacent, but they just raise the question, now why is it like this? And suddenly it's not so comfortable anymore. But prophets weren't all about folks being comfortable, and they didn't just ask questions, and they were often totally imprudent when facing down a king or a horde of temple-goers in Jerusalem. But we know why they were like that. They didn't have a choice, but we do. We don't have to speak up. We're not compelled to. We could remain quiet and be prudent and know when to hold them, and we could keep our heads down and let the enemies of the righteous and the takers of bribes do what they want. Or we can stand up and speak. Somebody has to speak for these people. Y'all got on this boat for different reasons, but y'all come to the same place. So now I'm asking more of you than I have before. Maybe all. As sure as I know anything, I know this. They will try again. Maybe on another world, maybe on this very ground swept clean. A year from now, ten, they'll swing back to the belief that they can make people better. And I do not hold to that. So no more running. I aim to misbehave. And I'd say it's time to be a little imprudent as well. If you like what you heard today, spread the word about TanakhCast. Send a friend an email to say, hey, would it kill you to check out TanakhCast? Or even better, write a brief review at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Smart Radio, or SoundCloud. 
It's a small thing, really, but it will help other people who might be interested in some Bible learning find this podcast. Or if you want to help in a bigger way, support us at Patreon. Just search for TanakhCast and pledge your shekels either on a one-time or monthly basis and receive special blessings from the Most High. I thank you in advance for that and encourage you to join us again in two weeks for episode 139 when we conclude the book of Amos with chapters 8 and 9.